0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Cyber Starters. If you are looking for a highly engaging and relevant discussion focused on cybersecurity entrepreneurship, covering topics from how to start a business to challenges that entrepreneurs encounter to strategies for effective problem solving, welcome. You are in the right place, my friend. Alongside my co-host, Ryan Larovic, CEO over at Nuvik. I, Gerald Ozier and Ryan will be hosting Grace Shi from Pulse Dive today as we dive into the topics of bootstrapping and bootstrapping the case for bootstrapping whether or not to get vc money or bootstrap yourself some of the benefits some of the pitfalls we've got a great show for you i'm super pumped if you're in chat as always if you're live with us go ahead and throw questions in we are here to serve you and we're here to help get as much interesting information about the experiences from grace Uh, out to you so i want to say what's up to casually joseph and chuck and cigar i see all you matt mcdaniels out there ryan have you ever had to bootstrap your company
1: oh yeah this is a timely topic in fact we did at nuvik uh we actually didn't have time to go out and uh and talk to other people and and start uh putting the pitch decks together and others so we started right off the bat uh so yeah and it's actually a really timely topic because like with the way that some vc monday money is happening at the moment right there's there's a lot to be said for sort of doing it yourself and like the, the true entrepreneurial way. Like you got to scrap for cash, you got strapped for clients, got strapped for, for people. So yeah, we, we did and it's worked out so far, but you know, Grace did it in 2019 and still rolling. So looking forward to hearing her thoughts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I I am really curious about uh, getting into the details of the emotion of deciding to bootstrap versus not, right? Because you're accountable to yourself, but you're also your family. And like, are you making these financial decisions that are going to bankrupt you? Or you've got somebody over your shoulder saying, like, you know, where's my money? Where's my money? You know what I mean? So, like, both sides of those equations seem very, very daunting.
1: Yeah. And that, that's a great way to put it because the reality is like it all starts falling on your shoulders now <laughs> if you're really going to do it. And especially even if you have a partner, right, like th- this is the true entrepreneurial like drive that like you're holding all the risk until until you're not right until you have others to share with it. So, yeah, this is a big topic. This is a good one.
0: Yeah. And Grace is absolutely well-spoken and well-versed in this Mm -hmm. topic. So I'm very excited to get her. Grace Chi, she is the COO and co-founder of Pulse Dive, the cyber threat intelligence company. Pulse Dive offers frictionless threat intelligence solutions for growing teams. And when she's not working at Pulse Dive, Grace is a watercolorist and hyper serious cooperative board gamer. I'd love to know what games she likes to tear into and what her thoughts are on bootstrapping. Let's go get Grace and learn about bootstrapping as an entrepreneur. Hey, what's up, Grace G? How are you?
2: Hey, how are you? Thanks for having me on.
0: Heck yeah. So, on on the intro here, we were talking about, you know, bootstrapping and the benefits of bootstrapping. Um, I guess, you know, Pulse Dive or perhaps another entrepreneurial opportunity before Pulse Dive. Have you ever had to make the decision whether or not to bootstrap?
2: Yeah. So, I've always been extremely entrepreneurial by heart. And I think part of that is that I enjoy working as a hobby. And I know that sounds bad and toxic, but I promise (laughs) because when I was younger, I would walk to the local stores and say, I wanna work here. And I found over time that sometimes going towards not just the obvious means of building a career could still generate you money. And that's how I do that through art and consulting and and also bootstrapping. So I think having that mindset of like, there are ways to create value that don't necessarily rely on someone else, that was instilled in me at an early age, even in like middle school. And I've kept kind of pushing into that kind of feeling and chasing those kind of unseen opportunities in a lot of ways. Because I would say in cybersecurity, the kind of traditional path, the assumed path, if you're a startup doing technology is to probably look at VC, if not actually move forward with it.
0: Yeah. And it certainly seems faster doing the VC stuff. But before we go down that path, I'd love to just kind of dig in a little bit. You said you've always been entrepreneurial. So people in the audience, like Kimberly, what's up, Kimberly, Kurt, um, you know, casually Joseph Nerman, like some of the people who are in chat, some people tune into cyber starters, because they're aspiring to be an entrepreneur they're aspiring to launch their own business i'd love to kind of hear how did you know you were entrepreneurial or or how did that how did that manifest and how did you know cuz i want to know if it resonates with some of the people in the audience
2: yeah so I think the moment I got one of those like nuggets where just somebody says something passing to you and they kind of stuck with me and I was like, oh I can validate this philo- this this theory is uh one I in my career, I started not in security. I started on the marketing and the business side of the house and I kept finding myself taking on more roles and being like, oh, that's interesting. Let me optimize that function. Let me make sure I'm building connections with product and finance and accounting teams um, and engineering teams and I wanted to get more involved. so I found myself in like, smaller teams wearing more hats. So that was one natural progression where I just wanted to learn everything and understand the business. The second piece is very discreet. I was working at an architecture firm, old school building, not like technology architecture. And one of the founders who had, you know, retired at that point would come back. And he was like, Grace, like, I've seen you for the last two years. And I don't think you're ever going to be truly happy until you're the one calling the shots. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't think from what I see of you, you do great in the business, but I I just think that for your fulfillment, you're going to want to have your own thing one day. And you're running this team as a company within the company. So that was the mindset I would always look at and think beyond just like, what was I responsible for delivering because I was told versus like, how can I do this service skill set, create the outcomes that the business needs. And I think that's one piece where if you see yourself at your job and you feel this drive to fix things and solve things and find new opportunities and build those out, that's a great start matched with more of the traditional knowledge of like find the problem that exists versus a solution that then you need a problem to to kind of retroactively fit that into.
0: Yeah. And I, I love that you had essentially a mentor who was willing to put you in front of like whatever their financial revenue goals are, right? Because if you leave to go be your own boss, you're not going to be running whatever team that you were there for. Ryan, did you ever, I, I'm just curious, because I feel like there's a lot of value in understanding kind of origin stories. Were you always entrepreneurial or how did you know?
1: Yeah, I love how Grace is explaining this. There's like this curiosity. You want to know more about like the functions of what you're doing, right? <clears throat> and then you, the best part is, and it is that mentorship or that feedback. Then you get that feedback and somebody recognizes it in you that you know you have. And all of a sudden, like, it's like the stars align. You're like, Oh, this curiosity is good. Cause I can learn more and do better. Right. That entrepreneurial spirit of like, I know I can do this thing better. I just don't know, you know, how, and then you get somebody who sees that in you and backs you up and, and sort of helps push you in that direction. That those are like two critical pieces. So grace, I love that story. Cause that's, you know, we don't, we always don't think about the feedback that we get sometimes. And you know, you listen to the good feedback, you know, maybe <laughs> drop the negative feedback sometimes. But uh, if you can, um, right, and then you, you sort of push forward in that. So I, I love that.
2: Yeah. And I will say commercially, the first time I started to have my own business, I wouldn't quite say it's bootstrap because it's consulting. And a lot of folks who have built a career can start to consult kind of casually on the side ad hoc. Mm-hmm. It was because somebody who was a partner of a company I was working for had exposure to me. And they're like, Grace. You know, we know that you're leaving here, but we want to hire you. And I said, I'm not looking. You know, I'm not looking right now. I have something else lined up I want to do. And he, they go, is there anything we could do? And I said, yeah, I can work with you as a consultant. And so it was very organic, this kind of like you get good opportunities and that early success is where you're prepared for and then you put yourself available for opportunities and grabbing that and kind of never letting go when it is working.
1: Yeah, which is also a good uh, start for bootstrapping, right? Like moonlighting is a great way to 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 get started. Did you have a lot of that, you know, sort of getting started, like the consulting piece, and you start doing it sort of, quote, on the side, and then uh, build it up to something bigger?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, getting into the history of Pulse Dive, too, I joined, it's almost five years now, which is wild. Yeah. And I don't know that many peers that are also bootstrapped, you know, five years down the line in the, in the space. Um, but we don't have, right, like, The really Silicon Valley high growth three-letter U.S. agency backgrounds that just grant you a lot of like inbound interest, right? We are like practitioners. We found issues. We love the community we're in. We we had faith in our product, and we still do. Um, And so we were really going. What I mean, like zero up, truly zero up. We had a couple customers. We had those conversations, and at that point in time, I had already been consulting and had some stream of revenue, even if, you know, this startup didn't grow year over year, even though it did. Um, And so since then, it's been extremely fortunate that, you know, we're not, you know, fleecing, right, all the revenue, we're actually reinvesting most of it, and then also taking care of ourselves. and, And we're happy with that.
0: There's a question coming in from chat. And if you do have questions, drop them in chat. Uh, we definitely want to get to them as quickly as possible. Re- relative to your story about at that architecture firm, Chuck wants to know how is imp- how important to you is it, Grace, to have someone that can that you can speak to with to determine if you're neglecting your long-term growth or short-term gain, right? A lot, a lot of times, people are in it for themselves, mm-hmm. and you know they may you know not choose the best path for you because it's the best path for them, right? That's got kind of game theory. What are your thoughts around this question?
2: I would say that. So so Chuck mentions, it's important to have someone mentor other business leaders. I think when you're bootstrapping, it's important to have so many someones. You want as many someones for all the various potential business problems, successes that you'd ever need, because as much as the world likes to push content to say, follow this exact format, follow these tools, use this skill set, use this workflow... Bootstrapping is a journey in which you need a ton of self-awareness, a ton of revalidation and going back and assessing what your performance is like, and you want input from I would say like trusted advisors, they can be mentors, they could be start- startup advisors that are not VCs to kind of give you perspective and allow you to look harshly at yourself and your company and what you need to do. So I think it's not just having one, but being able to have and build that network, even at an early stage, even before you start a company, folks that you trust that respect are doing things one or two or three steps ahead of you that you do value and being able to then ping them and provide value to them in return in that like really authentic sense of networking.
1: Yeah. Would you say it's sort of an early on board, right? Sort of a board of advisors of, of those that you sort of, you know, cluster around you to help you with that, that could potentially be business, you know, advisors later, or is, or is there a different way to look at that?
2: In some ways I do have several peers that kind of bring on that initial advisor and it's you know less than 1% of long-term growth, but it's somebody they respect a mentor from previous company or another startup. Um, that's not how we ended up going, but I was fortunate to be able to have a lot of peers that I could lean on that are very impromptu, let's say ad hoc advisors that I can always talk to, but they have no obligation or requirement to me. It's just a, that real authentic relationship.
1: Yeah, true. And then, lastly, do you have anybody that in that group that might you want, might want to work with or join later that are advising you that then you know understand it from the very beginning and then could say, hey, well, when you get reach this point, maybe we want to branch off to here. Then you join. Was that part of the equation as well, or or not?
2: It's it's interesting because I I feel so grateful that the. The security space is chaos, and I mean that in the most loving way, where there can be someone who's an intern that you help land a first job that then becomes a director in a few years because they're just that talented and smart. Then they start their own company and then someone moves from government. So there's so much mobility and it's not as hierarchical and traditional in that sense in a lot of especially the startup in the vendor world, but mm. across the industry, it's just much more mobile. And where I am now is a lot of our integration partners, MA folks that we talk to, we we haven't been MA'd and we haven't MA'd anybody as well. But just these relationships, I would love to work with like all of them. I don't have a specific plan in which I want to do this with you but I'd be more than happy to find business opportunities together when the time is right I can't know exactly when that will fit but once again having that opportunity and having that visibility is a is a great asset
0: yeah you know so there's a lot that is resonating with me personally, and and you know I'm here to help facilitate conversation and serve the community, but also I get to benefit too, right? I, I selfishly get to learn as well, and this is really resonating with me uh, on so many ways. I, I'd love uh, both of your thoughts, starting with Grace on this. Like unlike other industries, you just mentioned, cyber's different because you know you can be matrixed all over the place, and you can go up north pretty quick. Um, I honestly feel, and I, I actually had a conversation with someone right before I got on this podcast that in the cybersecurity industry, there is so much opportunity. Now, some some areas like you know, like EDR is like, come on, that's like already done. But like there's so many different areas that there's so much opportunity that it's not res- really competitive as much as it's collaborative because everybody's going to get to eat at the table. It's not like there's eight of us fighting over one meatball. So like, I, I don't know, like in cyber of all industries, I feel like that's really true. And because of it, these open conversations and these opportunities to be vulnerable can happen and, and promote growth and, and maturation. And more importantly, not going down the wrong path and spending money on bad bad uh, bad advice, bad investments and stuff. Uh, do you find that with the community, Grace, and, and the way that you've collaborated versus competed?
2: Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely competition, but I'll say even companies, because we work in threat intelligence and our focus is frictionless threat intelligence solutions for growing teams. One of what is fortunate that I appreciate at least is that the idea behind threat intel, what we really believe is that it it has to be collaborative. Every single company cannot have a silo of all the knowledge they need about every threat actor that's changing all of the infrastructure, which is like refreshed you know, daily, weekly, hourly even. And so it has to work together. Of course, different products will be stronger and have different differentiators and compete. And there has been a lot of growth and consolidation and new upstarts still in the threat intel specific space. But when it comes to just business and helping each other succeed as a company and giving each other advice, I've been fortunate that we are in this very community-focused, practitioner-focused world that it doesn't feel very like, oh, I can't share that with you. Obviously, there are limitations and we don't want to get in any like legal, you know, muddy waters, anything like that. But the industry itself is one of the reasons why I've been able to do this for five years and continue because of that inherent kind of outlook on life, outlook as a uh, threat and tell practitioner.
0: Yeah, people are trying to help you. What what about you, Ryan? You ever see this?
1: 100%. And I love the way Grace lays it out because it's it's sort of a a perfect example of the problem. The problem keeps getting worse for for better or for worse, like right. The we keep stacking more, you know, imperfect technology and imperfect technology and pushing it out to production quickly. You know, and and the and the connective tissue between them all, the connectedness between them all are just creating vulnerabilities and flaws. And then you know, of course, threats are going to try to identify those and try to and, and try to do whatever they're doing on it. And it keeps getting worse, right? And so and there's not enough people. So you wind up with 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 you know just how Grace explains it, like You wind up being peers with those, you know, either people are coming in entry level and trying to figure out what, you know, which silo do I want to go into to start with? And then, of course, you're going to cross those later. But then as you grow, you wind up in different places that are also seeing the problems, either it's corporate or a small startup or a government agency or somewhere else, right? NGO or something that you're trying or an academia where you're trying to solve the problem. And you wind up collaborating very quickly because the problem is actually growing more than those that, one can do it or two even understand how to do it so you know in a in startup world it's really important to maintain those networks because you never know what new idea is going to come out there that's going to introduce new vulnerabilities which new threats are going to want to take advantage of and then you're going to need people that understand that particular piece of it and if they're in your network and they understand it yeah you're going to rely on them so yeah i love the way you laid that out grace it was awesome
0: so ter- turning the conversation specifically to bootstrapping, um, you, know, you you had mentioned whether or not to make the decision to bootstrap versus VC and you, you laid out a couple options. I'm kind of curious like when you' when you're doing the decision, I mean, is the decision to bootstrap before you start the business? Do you start the business with like a little bit of scratch and then decide like what's our growth potential? like it, it, is it a is it a art form or is it a science grace?
2: I think with anything in business and life as much as we want things to be science and in in cyber specifically we think a tool will solve our problems it is a mix you you need data you need processes but at the end of the day there is no perfect answer and until some magic ai which you know i don't think is anywhere on the horizon can just just tell you hey this is how you're going to run the business and make 100 million dollars next year in revenue um it has to be a lot of intuition and self-awareness i keep repeating self-awareness because i think it's a skill that even if you Are not an entrepreneur with your own business if you want to be an entrepreneur for your own career and build that life and that path you want you'll need to be deeply deeply self-aware and unafraid of kind of feedback and criticism um so it's definitely a mix and i will say that we are bootstrapped we have been bootstrapped we are happily bootstrapped at this point but it's not that we've ever been anti-vc we we don't think vc money's bad or it's the wrong path it has just not been the right perfect inflection point of really benefiting from the money, but also needing some of that money to hit um, that we just didn't ever find that right moment. And we've also been able to utilize our contracts and our sales to basically act as seed funding for ourselves as we grow. So we've been fortunate, but we are not anti-VC.
1: Yeah, perfect. Because it's not really a distinction between either or, right? It's not good versus bad, you know, anything along those lines. It's just sometimes it's a fit. Right. So, I mean, for us, for example, we didn't really have a lot of time. Right. We had people that wanted to do work with us and we were going to get started. We had early on, we had a group, a a big organization that was like, hey, we want to we want to invest in you. And, you know, in terms of fit, we looked at it and said, Ah, I would love to put the pitch deck together. love to put the P&L together and the performance and kind of go through the roadshow stuff. But like, honestly, we don't have time right now to sort of have that conversation because every minute we're having that conversation with an investor, like we're missing out on a client conversation that wants to do work and the contracting and all the fundamental pieces to like line up the resources to the contract, to to the work. And it literally became a function of like time versus, you know, funding. And for us, that just forced us into bootstrapping because it was like it was, it's a fortunate position to be in. But the fit just wasn't there, even though we really wanted to do work with those that wanted to do the investment because they like, they come with a lot of network and and and, and connectivity and all problems for you to solve. But sometimes it's just like, hey, we're only we only have so much time. And we're going to focus on the client service. We're a services service business. So we're going to focus on the client service of business first. And then maybe later as we sort of grow, right, we'll have that conversation. Did you, did you have sort of a similar thing from the time versus practice piece or something different?
2: Yeah. A couple of notes there. Also moments in which we kind of picked our path and said, hey, look, we're not going to go hard on looking for VC funding is also choosing the business model in which we wanted to grow. So we actually pushed out in, I would I think 2019, 2020, most. See if I can remember 2021. At some point, we pushed out a more kind of self service, smaller dollar piece offering in a subscription called Pro because we were like, listen, if we want to go full enterprise, which we did not, if we want to go full enterprise with that enterprise sales team and go to market of 12 to six, 18 month procurement period, that does require different infrastructure and kind of upfront scaling that we wouldn't have been able to afford if we wanted to compete at that like market leading level. And so instead, we were like, we are able to. Sustain ourselves and push this out and build the marketing and sales funnels that were much leaner. To be fair, um, and support ourselves that way. So we had made choices like that. Um, the other piece you had mentioned is about focus. We did go through the motions, kind of quickly and early, about hey, we should validate whether or not this is the right path. Have some conversations. Go out and just like look around and have those initial. And just we we got some interest, but. Then we also faced exactly what Ryan was saying, where it's like, you'll have to pull these data, pull these projections, pull a lot of documentation that isn't even necessarily good for business growth or strategy, but just to kind of fuel and feed to these new stakeholders right? that would be interested. And then we also realized that if we were to go down that path That's not a one-time piece. You are constantly choosing to peel off some of your focus to create the reports, to create the presentations every time you have to make decisions to get that buy-in as well and make sure that your investors are happy, right? That they understand the concrete dollar sign business value to that decision, um, which can be difficult if you're looking at long-term sustainable growth. And so there were no issues with that, but we just thought, let's go lean, let's go fast let's just get efficient and drive on all these problem issues that we can solve for our customers now and we've kind of never looked back going uh since that point early on two things
0: that you mentioned we had ian garrett uh ceo and co-founder of phalanx on last week as our guest and one of the things he said was you know it, it is incredibly valuable um, to go into the market and just have conversations with potential clients, not to sell them, but to literally listen to what their problems actually are, instead of trying to tell them how your problem—I mean, how your solution fixes whatever the problem is—that you're telling them they have. And you said something similar, and I, I, I find that incredibly uh, interesting. The other thing that Ian mentioned, or, or Ben uh, Johnson said from Carbon Black a couple weeks ago, and, and this is where I want to take the conversation, Grace is he said that when you pick your co like when you pick your founders now you are a co-founder so clearly there's another one at least if not multiple when you pick your co-founders you are basically getting into a relationship with them it's it's a very personal a very long term thing how how much of the conversation when you're like deciding to like you know basically wed for lack of a better term is the hey are we bootstrapping or are we VCing or is that something that you kind of sort out along along the trip or do you do you plan this while you're packing the back of the station wagon or is it like as you're pa- driving out of town you're like should we VC
2: this or what? So it is a conversation that comes up about every six months, because once again, it's not that it's will never be the right time, but we reassess. And so it is very collaborative. Luckily, you know, the part of the reason why I also think we've been able to be successful is because we have very complementary skill sets and outlooks, but at the end of the day, very shared values. And as long as the founding team is on the same page and trying to drive towards the same results... You can talk through all of the other like exactly how that's executed or where our priorities need to lie. So it was very much so when I joined, we we're like, should we go for VC? You know, pulse dive was also, you know, new in the space. I was not an expert in cyber threat intel at that point. And questionably, is anyone ever an expert in cyber threat intel? Um, and so so we went out and had those conversations, both with VC folks, but also with peers who have not have not gone through VC motions in the cyberspace. And then after, you know, a few months where we were working on both like regular business stuff and VC stuff, we came back and we're like, we just don't think this is a worthy priority given where we are now, how much money, like the money that we'd be able to generate through VC investment and what that could grow towards our future. And this was super, super early. And as I mentioned, without like super shiny badges about having exited for a billion dollars before money, you do have to fight for that VC money.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I I bet. Yeah, it's not just like, you know, a a money printing machine in the back. Uh, Ryan, I mean, do you, so one like nugget, not not to take, not to do my key takeaways in the middle of the show, but one nugget that Grace just dropped is revisiting this conversation Mm -hmm. regularly, which is enlightening to me. I hadn't considered that. Uh, as far as your business goes, Ryan, and or in previous businesses you've been part of, are you having those conversations often or is it locked in for the relationships that you've had?
1: Oh, Early on, it's as often as possible. So one of the things Grace mentioned was shared values, right? It's critical because that's the sort of the core of the company as you're getting started. And the more you constantly revisit it, the more you put it, we call it on the table so we can talk about it right like there it is on the table let's address it from a merit standpoint like are these still our v- values and where we're going because if that changes that can change the complete structure of the company and might force you more into like well let's go for vc money because we're trying to get to this market fast enough or let's stay bootstrapping because we're able to serve the client our way without having to report to anybody else and or and a third piece we only have so much time and you know we'd love to do the road show, but it could go wrong and they might not invest in us. And that'd be a a waste of, you know, potentially a waste of time. So that shared values is critical to see, like, what are we actually doing? Right. What do we want to do as a company? Who do we want to be, you know, if and when we ever grow up and keep revisiting those over time, uh, that keeps that that really is what starts to set the culture of the company, because as you start to bring people on, you know right away whether they're fitting that shared value or not. And to Grace's point, like, you know, you, you don't have to scale for scale's sake, right? But when you do scale with given other market demands, you know, you're bringing on people that share that same values. And then those conversations happen less and less because it's sort of intuitive, right? Uh, and it's it starts to create, you know, that thing that you can feel, you know, when you walk into any company, even though we're all largely remote, right? Right. right. Yeah.
0: So, um, uh, Chuck brings up another great question. I love Chuck, by the way. Chuck's a long time uh, Simply Cyber Community member. I love, love myself some Chuck. Uh, he actually wants your thoughts, Grace, on mm-hmm. the opportunity cost of not starting your business today. So like I said, there's a lot of people who are, um, you know, aspiring cyber entrepreneurs who tune in. And, you know, I, I don't know how long it took you to make the jump, if you will, because it very much is a leap of faith, uh, making that decision to quit your job, <laughs> basically. Okay. Um, so what, what are your thoughts around opportunity costs of not starting?
2: It's interesting because there's the opportunity cost of not starting and then flipping it of, of staying where you are. I one thing that is true, bootstrapped or not bootstrapped, is I talk to a lot of cyber practitioners who are just so smart and so driven, and they see a lot of challenges and issues that they think they can address, and I'm sure they could, but you do have to acknowledge that even if you're really great at solving a technical skill or specific skill set. Having a company means you're going to have to do stuff that right now you may poo-poo on, right? Let's mm-hmm. let's not curse here, but mm-hmm. that you might not value, that you might think is frou-frou or BS or a waste of time. When you're running a business, you will have to do all these things. And no matter how much money you throw, you're going to have to understand enough of it as you're building out the team or have great partners. Um, but once again, great people, great partners, great employees are, are tough, right? Especially to mold to what your business vision is. So I think that Sure, if you have some emerging tech, new, highly competitive greenfield space, maybe you can be first to market, but that might not necessarily make you best to market a few years once the space starts to mature. Or mm-hmm. if you're joining an existing space, that might not keep you a sustainable because by maybe not, by not just starting the business immediately and going out to have conversation, by f- picking around your current company and learning about business by experimenting and doing other things versus just like going ahead and starting a S corp or C corp, you can actually build the foundations that aren't as discrete of a, I'm starting my business, I'm launching this product now, but I'm building this all this knowledge that's gonna help me get to the right direction and move efficiently and more effectively.
1: Yeah, I love it. It's almost like, <clears throat> you know, what Chuck's questions ask is like, what's the opportunity cost, which you normally don't think about not doing something as a choice, but there's sort of two pieces to that. Are you ready, right? And when you are ready, if you're not ready, right? Then spend time sort of building those skills. It's critically important because you don't want to go out too fast. And Grace, as you say, like you could flame out pretty quickly and or get overrun by others that know the problem better than you or or just luck, right? Or bad luck, whatever. There's a whole bunch of different variables. But on the other side, this really strikes to like, you know, Chuck's question really gets to like the the real entrepreneurial spirit. It's like you see what's going on in the marketplace. And when you have that feeling of like, I really could do this better, there's a sense of disappointment of like, you're seeing people out there do the work and you know, you know, let's say you're in a a business where you, you can see the value isn't there that you would like to bring to the table. Then quite frankly, there's a huge opportunity cost to you not starting it because you're not providing value to the marketplace or to your clients or your customers that you know you can provide and there's a huge frustrating feeling for entrepreneurs sitting there being like i know i can do this better you know if one two or three you know come together maybe that one two or three is like i need a business person i need a finance person you know whatever you know don't spend time doing things that are going to frustrate you because it'll just impact it <laughs> just make you worse but sitting around and not addressing the market the way you think is it's also there's an opportunity cost to that too so that's a great question
0: I love it. So when we come back from the ad roll real quick, I'm going to be talking to Grace about calculating the bootstrap investment costs, right? Like if you're going to bootstrap, you got to have a number and an idea of what what's that going to run you. Uh, but just a quick word from our exclusive sponsor, ACI Learning. And then we'll be
3: back with Grace. You chose a career in cybersecurity, and you follow this podcast, because you're passionate about being at the top of your field. But let's face it, not all training is created equal. Don't settle for boring training that leaves you uninspired. You deserve the best to support your dreams. At ACI Learning, our instructors are legends in the field. Our studios are state-of-the-art. We're always on so that you can be, too. We're equipped to pivot and cover every emerging trend in cybersecurity. Because in this fast-paced industry, you need training that keeps up. But it's not just about the expertise. Our on-demand video training is designed to be actually fun to watch. We believe learning should be exciting, not a chore. We offer training in every major vendor and certification. ACI Learning's on it, so you can be too. And don't just take our word for it. See what others are saying on Trustpilot. Real reviews from real professionals who have experienced our offerings firsthand choose aci learning because support for your cybersecurity career deserves nothing but the best
0: all right welcome back thank you so much aci learning for sponsoring season one of cyber starters so grace um we're gonna bootstrap right i'm i bootstrap simply cyber i'm a huge fan of bootstrapping just because it (laughs) to be simple-minded it's less complicated in my mind i'm like oh it's less complicated i got less people to talk to
2: um the, the the business and the legal and the accounting is a lot easier too
0: yeah 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 100 percent. so so we're gonna bootstrap okay so chuck mentioned opportunity costs are not starting today let's say we're gonna start a business right like personal finances aside like do you just need enough money to sign up for a basic 0 365 account 10 bucks a month and you're you're up and running or what what should people be thinking about when they're like all right i'm gonna bootstrap this business
2: Right. And depending on your situation, you you should always, even if you don't have these skills, you know, talk to peers, find out how, look up resources online of what your runway is. You need to determine runway. And for those who may not be familiar, runway is just how much can this business run before you kind of choose that you have are losing money and it's okay to lose money or that you're basically no longer willing to invest. If you're bootstrapping, it's coming from you and yours, uh, potentially your own net worth, right? That you're looking to grow over time. So when you go into this, you can either kind of seed yourself, uh, moonlight and say, I know that I can make a month through consulting. And I'm willing to take all of that and put it into the company in its early stages. So that is my monthly kind of investment. And what are my expenses to match up to that? But it's really, there are many tools. But if you just start with a spreadsheet, very basic kind of profit, uh, profit and loss accounting, expense accounting, and then be able to measure out how many months you're willing to live this, you know, live to whatever goals you have set, whatever milestones you have set in terms of user signups or traction or actual money in the bank, hopefully for you. Um, And then be able to determine, right, each quarter, we have quarterly business reviews. How are we hitting metrics? Where are we not hitting metrics? And at those points, also seeing if, hey, based on these conversations, really, if we pivot this way, we could kind of turn the needle up and this area maybe is down the line or it's not even worth pursuing anymore. So really being able to not just say like, I have $50,000, let's start a business to say, what do I want to get in 30, 60, 90, and then quarterly after that results? And then what are my actual numbers that are going into it? Just scaffolding out, just expenses for hosting costs, organizational workspace licenses, going to events or whatever your plans might be.
1: Yeah. Everybody listening to this, pay attention to this because you just laid it out so nicely because this this is the key. A lot of times when we think about starting a business, you don't think about the fuel you need to get your rocket, you know, in the air. And and the funny little thing about, you know, rocket science is that you to, to put more fuel in, you need more fuel to get it going. Right. And this is your burn rate, your, you know, and so one of the things that I always hear people complain about when they learn it the hard way is cost control. So there's this like pieces of the business that you need. You know, Jerry, you mentioned like grab 365 and get going. And Grace, you mean your I- infrastructure. Like, yeah, there's these operating expenses that you're just going to need. And you got to nail those down like right away and like forecast those out, right? And then the other piece is like, all right, what what are the other what expendable items that we can do that we can use to sort of like That's where you're making your your real bets in people or in product and development. And I like, Laying it out that way, Grace, is perfect because like this is the thing that is, you know, it's the lifeblood, cash flow is the lifeblood of your business, full stop, right? It's it's going to It's good, what's going to make or break you and controlling your cost is the easiest way to make sure that you've got more runway in your words, but it's really not. It's simple, but it's not easy to do. So I think you laid it out quite nicely. Did you <laughs> find the same thing? Yeah.
2: It's uh it's not easy to also pull back once you have <laughs> made some expenses. And I'm curious for right. anyone who is watching the live stream, I would love for folks to put into the chat what they think are like secret costs right we mentioned some obvious stuff you need you know maybe a google workspace and you might need a hosting provider you might pay for some tooling but what are some of the things and we can answer ourselves too that are just like costs that come up they are necessary expenses but we have to try to control them so i'll give a you know few a minute or so as we keep talking about this but i want to know like for those who are interested uh in starting a company bootstrapping or not you know, what are these expenses that get added? Thank you for adding that in, Jerry. Um, and I will say that like people are force multipliers, right? If you have systems, processes, and you find someone who's good, as I mentioned, when we bring on even consultants, we have a attribute for like values and kind of mission and vision that are beyond technical or hard skill sets that apply to all the people we work with because they can multiply the their output and performance or they are a very 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 large cost and they can honestly the reason why we unfortunately are seeing so many layoffs and reductions in workforces and just like pulling back with uh, human capital is because it is really expensive and that's just uh, like a fact of life and um, uh, where we're seeing some of that happening in the market today
1: yeah and this plays nicely in with uh, like Ben in episode two mentioned, Higher, slow, fire, fast, and that's a good metric to sort of for those listening to put in there to say, look, are we getting that multiplication effect for those that we're hiring? Because you do have to wear all hats. There's a lot you have to do when you're starting a business that isn't just I do just this. Unless you're purely engineering, that is a different story, right? But as part of the business, and so if if it becomes, you know, there can be times, and this is a not a popular thing to talk about, but sometimes, you know, cost can be a bit of a drag. And all of a sudden you're not getting that multiplier and the business starts to support it. And now all of a sudden you have a hard decision to make. Uh, so this might be, you know, this kind of plays into your point and, and Ben's point on like higher slow and fire fast. Cause sometimes it's just not a good fit.
2: Yeah. And I think a piece to, I think what Ryan and Jerry were both saying before about cost managing costs, there was a point a few years back, call me too resourceful or too conservative, because when you're bootstrapping, you're, you're, this is your own fight. You are on the line. This is your accountability, 100% accountability, mm-hmm. which we like, but also comes with risks. Uh, there was a moment in which we looked at our bank account, we looked at our income, and I was like, hey, you know, to our founding team, I'm like, we can do this forever like we're at a point where we're profitable that our run rate is infinite but that's not a good thing because that means we should be growing so then in those rare cases, and I feel so grateful I can even say this, that I had to kind of like smack ourselves being like, we're not going to, we're not going to starve next year. We have Mm -hmm. enough cash to grow and hire and, and really boost, you know, our development and and investments in innovation. Um, Then you can start to look at how to strategically spend costs versus immediately thinking I need this whole stack of shiny A plus great technologies and tools running out of money too early. Um, So I think that that is also very natural for bootstrappers to be really cost cognizant
0: yeah hundred percent people are dropping all sorts of things in uh, chat right here I'm gonna just bring some of them up sure. and then we can we could talk about them uh, casually Joseph getting a little meta talking about time is a mm-hmm. secret cost really valuable uh, Jeff white talking about finding accelerators uh, and embedded angel groups um, I, I don't know how like if there's cost associated with finding those uh, I haven't played in that space so I, d- I don't know um, Being honest with yourself. That's kind of a hidden cost about the actual costs, (laughs) right? Um, We have Kurt talking about lots of startups spending money on employees, uh, keeping them happy, uh, like ping pong and, and foosball and stuff like that and,
2: amenities <laughs>
0: yeah amenities i I feel like that I feel like i don't know if this is true but I feel like Google kind of like established that as like a norm and then everybody was just trying to ride the wave of like oh we're the next google and in in reality they were just burning VC money but that, that's not really bootstrapping right i I don't know how many bootstrap people have like a kegerator in the break room <laughs> and they're like encouraging their employees to like Get drunk, but uh, you know how it goes. And then, of course, this one resonated with me. Uh, a lot of mm-hmm. software tools out there to help you move faster, be be more agile, um, etc. And then, you know, the business side, like you'd mentioned earlier, uh, Grace about licensing and CPAs, lawyers, financial managers, insurance, all, all those things that are not the practitioner is not loving. Right, the practitioner is not like. Okay. Yeah, let me get some. Let me get a permit and some insurance up in here. You know, it's much more like I, I need a shiny bobble. So, uh, definitely a lot of hidden costs and keep those hidden costs uh, coming, if you will. Um, you got something, Ryan?
1: Yeah, it's to get super practical. I love it. So everybody, like, those are great hidden costs. And this, this, take this moment we just did right here, and put it in your memory bank to come back to because this is a great exercise on how to think through all of the things that when you start a business you probably aren't thinking about that are going to cost you something either time. I love the time one and also all the practical ones, the insurance, the subscriptions, the costs, and you forecast that out. And say okay and this is what, what grace was saying put it in excel spreadsheet or you know spreadsheet or sheets g sheets or whatever and forecast it out and look at that realistically and like this is pretty much what our cost run is going to be for the year before we even hire people or give salaries i mean insurance you have workman's comp and things like that but even just like you know executive and officers insurance or whatever the case might be like that stuff starts to stack up and then the next year adds 17 to 18 percent of that cost itself continues to grow and now this gets to sort of grace's roadmap you see sort of just the operating cost it's going to take you to run the business that is such a critical function to do because the beauty is is jerry's sort of pulling out from everybody here and you all are putting in the chat these are the hidden costs that when they surprise you oh they hurt so much but yeah. if you can get ahead of them right and you know that they're coming they hurt less because you've already anticipated them. i see grace nodding her head and it's like yeah this is this is kind of this is what helps you keep going, right? Uh, to keep practicing, so I I love this exercise. So thanks for teasing this out.
2: Yeah, of course. And I think one of the things that you hear is that good, right? Like accountants, it's hard to find good accountants. So it's not just being able to spend it, but that time as well to vet and make sure you're building this long-term process, and they understand your business needs. And then the other thing is like legal, right? Somebody wrote uh, securing IP and insurance and that whole side of the world too any lawyer right who is good is going to just cost a lot and it's not even that you're going to get in any sort of issue but when you start having partnerships when you start having larger deals legal gets involved and unless you yourself are a lawyer or you have someone in your family who's a lawyer who's going to go on discount those are costs you'll need to understand and project for and accept because hopefully the return on your investment the revenue that you make is is very much worth it but um it's still a, you know an upfront cost before you can actually secure that inked deal
0: yeah. And I, I don't know if, if this, so, so like, I'm a, I'm, I am an entrepreneur, but when I'm dealing with you and you, <laughs> right. I just feel like I'm like, a, I'm a, I'm a child, like, like, like in the adult room, like, ah. um. So, you know, one thing that I I've also experienced personally, because I'm, I'm getting a lot of these cuts and scrapes, like in real time is that, a perfect example, a lawyer would be a great example, but a perfect example is a document signing platform. So like DocuSign or something like that. You do a business deal with someone, you finally like sell the, the deal, right? And they're like, send the paperwork, let's go. And you, cause I, I've done this, like you print it out, you sign it, you photocopy it and then send it. And it looks so bush league that you're almost like embarrassed. And you're like, Shit, like, I don't look professional. I don't look I'm not projecting right. Like I need to be, and it's like five bucks a month or something for DocuSign. So like, you know, I've, I've since gone to DocuSign. So like, hi, I'm Jerry. I use DocuSign, but like, that's just one of those examples where like investing in the tool, even though there is a free solution that will have zero burden, zero cost, you do need to invest even if you don't need to, because there is a quality in an, in a, a projection of what who they're dealing business with um, that is very valuable. So I don't know if you guys have thoughts about that, but that's just like one quick example.
2: Yeah. It's so funny that you mentioned this. There's a balance, right? Because I've also met folks who are like, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be a startup. And they over tool to, they sign up for the AI version of everything. And then I'm like kind of interacting with them. I'm like, this isn't actually giving you value. It's not making your life easier. And also there's tools coming in and out. So I think most people just need to identify like when I'm doing a workflow and it's not the right brand, it's, it's, there's three steps and I could make it one for a nominal cost and you have to decide what nominal is, but for pennies on the dollar, or I'm gaining back five hours a week because I'm not running to my scanner or running to staples to hard ink a a piece of paper. I can pay for Adobe e-sign or something like that. It is worth it. And that's actually Every time we hit these pain points in my business, too, I'll be like, hey, uh, I'm running these reports on user analysis. And this is actually annoying. Can you go in and code something, even internally code something? So we have this automated report. And guess what? It maybe takes 30 minutes of time to push to production and test. But then we're saving ourselves down the line. So always thinking about how to optimize and how to reduce the friction in your own work life. Um, so that you can focus better on strategic things that you can't automate, that are not repetitive, that are high value.
0: Yeah, 100%. Ryan, did, did you ever run into any of these kind of like, uh, you know, or or did you over tool to the hill? Oh, no, all the time. We run into these problems every
1: day. And what I love about it, the core here keeps coming back to opportunity cost. And Grace, you nailed it and, and, and a couple of people in chat the same way. It's like, you have to think like, is it worth, what's my time actually worth? Right. And is it worth, you know, am I going to be a really high valued uh, photocopier, you know, <laughs> printer scanner when, you know, nothing against that type of a skill, but you, your opportunity cost is going yeah. out there and doing something for the business. So, yeah, th- this puts in like the subscription baseline subscription cost, right? Of like, you know, what do you want to pay for and what do you not? And just forecasting these things out and thinking about them is a, is a really good tool. Um, I don't know if you want to tease out, but casually Joseph brings up the, you know, when you, when you, the employee cost. that's a whole different category. So I don't know if we want to talk about that for a minute, but like, that's a really interesting.
0: Well, um, I mean, if you're boot, yeah. I mean, if you're bootstrapping, you know, taking on labor, it is always the most expensive line item on your balance sheet, right? Labor. Mm -hmm. So making that decision is a huge, I, I personally haven't really had to deal with that. So I can't speak to it, but, uh, it's a great point, Ryan, um, To to bring up whether or not, you know, the the decision to take on uh, staff.
2: Um, and I and I will say here, it's the, the number wise, we don't have to get into super specifics. It's not just because you're also paying employer side taxes, because as your own company, you do owe the government. You have to pay a certain amount that you cannot, you know, offset post post expenses, right? Um, through your net profit, that you have to pay as employer side taxes. But the other cost to that is the amenities. If you're providing health care, um, insurance, life insurance, just all of the things that come with, and including the hidden cost of like HR and managing contracts, it's it's not just the taxes and taxes are not just double the salary. So I want to um, clarify there, but it does end up being a multiplier. So bringing on a person is not just the $120,000 a year you're paying for them. It's all the benefits and the infrastructure in HR to then be able to accommodate them, payroll them out, uh, pay those taxes.
0: Yeah, 100%. R- Ryan, you have uh, staff. Uh, yeah. Staff. Yeah, a
1: bunch. And I love the questions coming up in chat. So we can get to a couple of those as well. But yeah, here's it's state. So in the United States, it's state dependent, right? You have the federal tax, right? That you're just going to have across the board and then state dependent. Every state has a different structure, right? Tax structure and requirement structure for benefits. So there's workman's comp right there are other there are other employment pieces you need so this is where for those that do work with governments in in in, in many cases in you know if you're u.s based the u.s government this is what's called your wrap rate right how much per person do you add on from their salary that's overhead costs that you have to pay and that number can wild could could very widely depending on the benefits you offer in the company in, in the private sector it's literally just the cost of employment so it's not a one-to-one relationship between like the salary you pay right and the money you need to make you, there's a huge margin between the two that, that is you know insurance that are the benefits that are the taxes and quite frankly the operating costs that, that take to operate the business so it, it's a it's a big cost and getting that right for cat back to like the forecasting model we talked about a few minutes ago right like Getting that forecast in there and seeing, like, all right, I'm gonna be doing work in California or New York. By the way, get ready to pay a lot of money or New Jersey, right? You've got all this stuff, but I'm doing work in like Nevada or Florida, it's like, hey, the cost might be a lot lower. And so, you know, this it's look up cost of living index, right? It give you a quick ind, you know indication of what that is. Yep.
0: Yep. Uh, Grace you had mentioned a little while ago when I I talked about you know doing VC like at the beginning and or you're going to bootstrap and you made the comment that uh quarterly you you have your qu- you, what's that?
2: I said uh oh I made a comment go I ahead Well
0: I mean I just want to I want to revisit it for more information because I found it interesting and I've seen let me ask the question I'll I'll tell you why So you had mentioned that quarterly you do your PL meetings and then you, you say, Hey team, like let's, let's pivot and look at this opportunity or, or whatever. I have seen businesses firsthand that the uh, leadership um, is constantly chasing and, and not executing on, like, it was a great idea to go B to G. And, but then, you know, you started the the flywheel and, and then you're like, let's go BD. So when you were talking about pivoting quarterly, how do you how do you ensure that you're kind of following your north star, which I, has become like this new buzzword for me? Like you're following your north star and not necessarily chasing your losses, I guess, for lack of a better term.
2: Yeah, I, there's so many pieces in there that's really interesting because one is like you never want to be chasing features that other people have put out. You will always lose that bat, especially if you're bootstrap. You'll not be as fast as the people who just brought in fifty million dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there are essential right there are essential improvements you might need to make as your business grows but for us it's not that every quarter we're pivoting it's more like we don't have vc so we don't have outside investors that we need to report to but that practice is really important to say like let's take a moment and avoid just like the weekly noise of just junk we're working on right leads and demos and integrations and say okay what's the heartbeat how are our finances what are our runway where are our deltas how are we going to grow expenses or you know utilize some of the expenses that we have budgeted but maybe haven't employed yet do we still need to do that um and then also looking at instead of just saying like oh there's this shiny new thing we evaluate is there new on a holistic level uh what are we hearing from our customers are we running into the same like no blocker because we don't meet Fed ramp or some sort of compliance requirement to work with the government. So does that mean that we need to like scale back on focusing on XYZ types of clients? So it's really about saying like, what tangible concrete new information have we observed in the market from competitors, uh, from our own user community? Uh, what are the results of that research? Because we do stay connected with our network quite a bit. And then how does that impact the priorities we've already set? So it's not necessarily like, let's find the next thing to work on, but can we make sure that this is still the right one? And so for Q4, for last year that we just had the conversation, we had a year over year look as well as a quarter over quarter look. A lot of it is stable. Um, we saw some positive indicators in some product market, like some portfolios, and we decided to like not so much develop and focus on another one because our confidence level of the success of that outcome was a little bit lower. And so it really helps us make sure that like we're not just running around with our head cut off because mm-hmm. as a startup founder, There's just too much to do all the time, every day. There's big stuff, little stuff, urgent stuff, important stuff. And so this is a moment in which we come back and we're like, is this right? And you talk through it. And then you say, yes, you know what? Validated, looking at the data, spending our time with user analysis and our revenues. This is the right place to invest. Let's keep going. And like, also let's look at how much we were able to hit on the milestones and the expectations we had from the last quarter or the last year.
0: So, yeah, so it really is all about um, making sure that you, you're, you you take that time to work on yeah. the business than yes. work in the business. Yeah. OK, That that's a that's a lot different than like uh, running and, you know, five, five feet in this direction, then turning 90 degrees and running five feet in that we direction. We can't
2: afford that. I wish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, Absolutely. Ryan, any, any thoughts on um, on, I guess, making sure that you're you're marching in the right direction every time versus chasing those losses? I
1: think Grace laid it out really nicely with sort of the foresight thought, right? If you, The further the further ahead you can think and then and see, and then you kind of create the path, and then keep with your team the shared values, moving yourself in that direction. I think that's great sound advice because you keep doing that, you're going to know you're sort of keep on heading in the right direction. Yeah,
0: Definitely. So we've only got a couple minutes left here. I do want to share um, Pulse Dive right here. Let me Let me share this up with you guys so you guys can fully uh, drink this in. Oh, there it is right there. I got the the sticker merch. I love it.
2: Yeah. So, I got the holographics that came in this year too. <laughs> oh, that is cool. I like that.
0: Uh, is that your official mascot? I like that. That's cool. In a
2: way it's Angie, our anglerfish.
0: Yeah. I, I would like, uh, when I see you next grace, okay. which will probably be in Vegas, I would assume you're going to be there. Um, are you going to be in Vegas, Black Hat Defcon?
2: I'm planning on it. Uh, I know last year I like swung past you somewhere. So I hope this year we'll make a concerted effort. I'll find you at your booth.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, no. I would love to to connect with you and uh, get one of those stickers too for the old water bottle. I think that's a a pretty cool item. Uh, So here you guys can see, this is Pulse Dive, uh, their website. You can see, you can dive right in. Uh, like right here, you can just start typing on the SIM. (laughs) This is, I mean, well, it's not a SIM, but you know what I mean? The threat Intel and, and pull it all up. This is real time from the homepage of their website. Um, pretty cool. Like nice, nice feature, Grace. This is like very, very, uh, uh, what, what, not the word inviting. Yeah, it's very inviting. I'm, I'm sure by design, right? Like you're like frictionless.
2: That's part of our values. That's what we decided. And frictionless threat intelligence solutions for growing teams. So it doesn't matter how much threat intel capability you have, if you have any sort of interest in doing that research and understanding threats, we want to make it as easy as possible for you to find your answers.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So I brought it up right there. I, I dropped a link in uh, chat right there. So you can definitely go check out pulse dive.com. Uh, Grace, thank you so much. Any final thoughts, projects, anything for uh, 2024 that we should expect uh, from Pulse Dive or from Grace?
2: Um, Well, I'll leave it on something fun because everyone can go to the website, check it out. Uh, You can also reach out. Jerry, will you share my contact or should I drop that now?
0: No, no. Yeah. If you want, I tried to pull your up LinkedIn and for some reason I couldn't pull it up. So, I mean, if you want to just type it, I'll bring it up while you're talking if if it's that easy to multitask.
2: No, but you know we'll, we'll make it happen. So this is, I'll send this is you...
0: entrepreneur life, right? We're, we're we're wearing multiple hats up in here.
2: Yes. So so I just dropped my uh, URL for you to share. Everyone, I encourage you to send me a connection request um, and ask any questions you have about threat intelligence careers. I've been just about to publish my new report on the state of CTI networking. So the connections of human human to human contact for improved security outcomes. But for fun, I know we mentioned. Um, board games and watercolor, I'll just say, this is my newest illustration card for the Lunar New Year coming up that That I just printed and I'm sending out. That is really cool. I like that.
0: Yeah. Do you post that stuff on Twitter or LinkedIn, like when you do new watercolors?
2: No, I have a lockdown Instagram, personal Instagram account. um, But I think only once in all five or so years did I actually post a actual watercolor time lapse it's also on my linkedin so you can go search for that everything else that's creative you'll see in terms of like our website designs or some of our swag is stuff that i've designed or i've used some of my artwork in so i get a lot of creative outlet as well running the marketing and sales piece of it at Dive.
0: did you create the angular fish
2: uh, sticker there this i'll give a shout out this was actually from miscreants and miscreants is a marketing I'm going to get it wrong it's cyber only kind of marketing and design services so so sean uh runs yeah. that and they've done a lot of cool work in the space too
1: they're fantastic yeah yeah sean's great, great.
0: Yeah.
2: oh cool shout out to
0: miscreants yeah. i'm gonna to have to go check that out myself and really quick this is grace's uh linkedin i dropped a link in chat but this is what it looks like so you know there's there's a lot of graces on linkedin so i want to make sure you get the right grace and and uh the one that is awesome and the one who has been joining us today Grace, thank you so much for your time today. I genuinely appreciate it. I know chat loved it. You dropped so much knowledge bombs. I personally uh, grew from it from my entrepreneur perspective. So thank you very
2: much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on.
1: 100%. Absolutely. Thank you, Grace.
0: Ryan, you want to do our key takeaways?
1: I'd love to. I mean, right. this this is why these conversations are so great, right? Like we like we covered a whole gamut of things. I think that the two big things that I love what you know what we kind of teased out. Uh, and Grace really nailed, was one, sort of the, the, the real entrepreneurship, right? Like, like what's it feel like to be a real entrepreneur? And like the curiosity that you can do things better, and then getting that immediate feedback, you know, what we talked about at the top of the show was just like, anybody go back and listen to that part, because that is that feel that we don't always talk about. That's like, oh, yeah, I know I can do this better, but how do I know I'm doing okay, right? And listening to that feedback and getting mentors was like a, a big piece of, Of the puzzle so i love that part and the second piece which we hit towards the towards the end was really that sort of the keys to bootstrapping right and what what i loved about it was that sort of foresight like thinking far ahead and the discipline to stick to your drivers like grace brought up shared values you know a couple times and it's like yeah you keep coming back to that so it's like your barometer like do do you know that you're still on the same path that you see going forward and if you kind of have those two pieces like the curiosity right? With the feedback and then like the path with the shared values piece, you know that you're in the ecosphere and still doing okay. And that sets you up nicely for bootstrapping. And then maybe one day, you know, funding from somebody else. So those are the big takeaways that that I took from this.
0: Yeah, I love it. And Grace, welcome to the key takeaway segment, your exclusive uh, only guest ever to make it through the bonus level uh, into this section. So I, I will tell you, Grace, one thing that I took away and I will take with me is having... That conversation that bootstrapping or VC is not a decision you make at the beginning of the journey. It's one that you revisit um, and you can go forward with. I, I'm bootstrapped. I've had multiple people approach me like, with money to just here's take this money. And uh, I've said no because I don't know what to do with it. Um, but, but I, I can see at some point, like, okay, like I, I, I now can see opportunities to scale and having that cash would make sense. I think the real conversation needs to be, if you give me this money, what does that mean? Do I give you double this money in three years? Do you own a piece of my company? Like what, what does it actually mean? And I think that's really the next conversation, but. Uh, enabling me to know that it is a decision that can be revisited and you, I haven't made some concrete decision long-term uh, is definitely valuable uh, for me. So I want to thank all of you, Grace specifically, Ryan Larovic, CEO at Nuvik, my co-host on the stream. Guys, if you enjoyed the show, definitely uh, come check us out. We're here every single Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, next week's guest is going to be Paul Ime. He is the co-founder Uh, And I believe he is technically the CEO of Ceteria, which is a um, uh, MSSP uh, security company here in the low country of Charleston, South Carolina. Great guy, former NSA operator, uh, tons of experience and knowledge he's going to drop on us. So definitely come back next week. Mark your calendars. We'll be back. And on behalf of Ryan and myself, special thanks to ACI Learning for being the exclusive sponsor of the show. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Bye, everybody got value from that amazing interview, be sure to check the entire back catalog of Cyberstarters interviews for more tips on launching and the effective business operations for cybersecurity entrepreneurs. You won't want to miss our next episode. I guarantee it. Join the Simply Cyber Discord server at simplycyber.io slash discord to chat with the larger community and be made aware when we go live. We want all your questions answered. Until next time, I'm Jerry for Cyberstarters. Stay secure.